greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz, right here on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire on the TMPT feed. Each and every week here on the Hogan Era Podcast, we're talking about the greatest era ever in the history of the wrestling business, 1984 to 1993, the WWF, the Hogan Era. Of course, a lot of people refer to it as the Golden Era, and that is kind of why we have you know, as many fans as we do. Well, obviously, we don't have as many fans as we do now anymore. But as we did, we had so many fans and they were all kind of influxed in from that Hogan era. Really, Hogan set it off. And he's the reason why so many people were loving pro wrestling business, spending their money on the business and why Vincent Kenny McMahon became a, a billionaire. All thanks to the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each and every week here on the show, we've been focusing mainly on for the last 38 weeks. Big feuds and big moments in the Hulkster's history. Of course, some of those big feuds include Roddy Piper, Macho Man Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Big John Stud, Earthquake, Yokozuna, Kamala. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All these guys, they were able to draw so much money with the immortal Hulk Hogan. It's funny, like you think about it, it's like, okay, 
Hogan, you know, okay, yeah, he he did great. He's a great draw. When you could do that and you have all these guys you can kind of pinpoint like, oh, wow, he, you know, like we talked about last week, oh, wow, 18,000 people at a show with Butch Reed, 10,000 people at a small smaller venue with Butch Reed. Like, okay, wow, that's pretty substantial. It's pretty amazing. And then you just throw out random guys like, okay, Hercules, they sell out here. Dr. D. David Schultz, they sold that here. And we're talking about all over the world, all over the globe. And Hogan was able to do that. Obviously those guys are all great in their own right. They're all great heels. They're all able to draw money. But the real reason was people wanted to see the Hulkster and they wanted to see Hulk beat these guys and see if he could conquer these giants and slay these dragons. And he was the real reason why, you know, the WWF really was able to flourish. If you listen to interviews with Vince McMahon, he was saying it wasn't like that they had all this sorts of money. It was almost like on, uh, on consignment. It's like, okay, we, you know, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. We'll get you the money when we get it, and we, we have to draw. And we have to make money at these house shows, and we have to do really well. How are they able to do that? Who are they doing it with? Well, Hulk Hogan. And thank God uh, for the Hulkster. You know what I mean? He's just the guy that stirred the drink, if you will. He was the man that made it all happen. Like I say, each and every week here on the show, he's the top of the pyramid. All those other guys are great, obviously. Uh, Macho's a god. Piper's a god. Flair's a god. I mean, all these guys are awesome in their own right, but you need that tippy-top star, that tippy-top guy that can be the, the true ace, the true draw, and really just can... Um, be the guy that that's going to be the end all be all like really be the golden goose and that is the immortal hulk hogan this week wanted to talk about adrian adonis the adorable one and focus on that feud this week they did have a a lot of matches in their career against one another they really did span many different federations, many different leagues, including AWA, New Japan for Wrestling, and of course, the WWF. And it was very important in 1986 when that feud with Adrian Dunn really kicked off. You know, it was all house feuds. They had some uh, TV matches on Nesson and Prism and stuff like that. But it was really important to kind of keep that money train going. Like, how do you keep it going? How do you keep this Hogan train on the track and keep on making money? And then you think to yourself, well, you got to get a good heel and a good feud and um, you know, a match where people will want to leave their house and go spend money and maybe buy some merch and buy some tickets and buy some food and everything else. So what can you do? You get a guy like Adrian Adonis, who was always known as just an absolute great worker, top tier talent. He's been you know, great everywhere he went. Uh, just an awesome worker. And it's funny, you like look at his physique, and you're like, oh, well, he's, you know. That's kind of doesn't matter when you're that good in the ring and you're that good of a promo and you're really a really, really great worker. So to me, I know it takes all kinds in wrestling and it really you don't have to have this this you know, big uh, Herculean physique. And he definitely did not have that, but he made up for it with his work rate and with his promos and just with his overall knack of how to be a great professional wrestler. So really the first time they were in a match together was in 1981 in AWA. Hogan defeated Adrian Donis and Nacho Barea in a handicap match. Then Eddie Boulder, who was uh, obviously known as Bruce the Bard Beefcake and Adrian Adonis lose to Hogan again in a handicap match in the AWA Hogan and the high flyers, Greg Gagne and Jim Brazell also be Jerry Blackwell and the East West connection known as Adrian Adonis and Jesse Ventura. And then we're talking all the way back in 19, 
81. So, I mean, they would have a ton of matches together in the AWA through 81 and 82. Their last match in AWA was 11-4-82, where Hogan defeated Adrian Adonis in Salt Lake City, Utah. Then they would kind of move and take their little bit of a feud there to New Japan Pro Wrestling, where Antonio Inoki, Hogan, and Killer Khan defeated Adrian Adonis, Andre the Giant, and Dino Bravo. They had an involvement in a tag league where Adrian Adonis was teaming with Dino Bravo and Hogan and Anoki were tagging and Hogan and Anoki, of course, get the win. Then they had a bunch of other matches that go through 82 and through 1983. The last match they had together in new Japan pro wrestling, as far as 1983 is concerned, Antonio Anoki and Hogan defeated Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch in Tokyo, Japan. Then if you just look on in 1984, because I'll get back to WF in a second, they have two matches together in WF, and then you go back in 84 to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Adonis and Andre are fighting Hogan and Max Superstar to a double countout. Max Superstar and Hogan then defeat Adonis and Dick Murdoch. Adonis, Murdoch, and Hogan teaming together defeated Inoki, Kido, and Sagaguchi. Adonis, Murdoch, and Hogan again teaming together to defeat Antonio Inoki, Fujinami, and Fujiwara. Then Hogan, Adonis, and Max Superstar defeats Hamaguchi, Saito, and Ricky Choshu. Then the final match they had in New Japan was in 1985. Anoki, Kimura, and Fujinami fought Hogan, Dick Murdoch, and Adrian Adonis to a double countout. So there's kind of their history there for you. Just a brief overview in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as far as Hogan is concerned with Adonis, in 1984, wrestling at the chase, they had a $30,000 18-man battle royal, which they were in together, which was won by Big John Studd. Then 430-1984 from Oakland Coliseum, they had a $50,000 18-man battle royal. Adonis Hogan and that one together, and Andre the Giant gets the victory there. They also have a match, a two-on-three handicap match from the MSG Network Brendan Burn Arena, East Rutherford, New Jersey, my home away from home. 7-15-1984, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan defeated Adrian Adonis, Big John Studd, and Dick Murdoch. The match went about 20 minutes. Now, before I get into the feud with Hogan and Adonis, which really starts in 1986, I just want to do a little brief overview of the adorable Adrian Adonis. Really gets to the WBF in 1981. His first match was against Keith Franks. So um, he was actually known as... I'm sorry. Uh, he was actually known as Keith Franks, and he loses, excuse me, his first match to Francisco Flores in 1975. So we're going all the way back there. Then, really, when he becomes Adrian Adonis, and his first match is in 1981, he defeats Mike Mikeo, and that's from Allentown, PA. So just funny to think, like, wow, 75. He was wrestling all the way back then in the WWF. Then, when he redebuts in the WWF, he has a bunch of victories in a row. It's really kind of where he solidified himself and really kind of you know made himself into something and really made himself in, into a star, really. I mean, 75, he's pretty much jobber. 81, he goes back, and he already is solidified, and he's already working in territories, and he already is basically a big star who made a, a pretty decent name for himself in the AWA and other places as well, like the Pacific Northwest and, and different uh, territories around this great globe adrian donis and jesse ventura would be teaming a lot in the wbf especially from 81 to 83 if you think about it great team just complete kind of opposites but not they're kind of can go together adonis is kind of a tough guy he is kind of have that that new york upbringing and it, and ventura's kind of got that that west coast vibe to him but 
pretty damn memorable team. Great team to me. I just loved the uh, East-West connection there. Adonis also was a frequent challenger of the WWF World Heavyweight Championship, which was held by Bob Backlund, and the Intercontinental Championship, which was held by Pedro Morales. They had a lot of matches through really the first half of 1982, Adonis against both of those guys. When Jesse Ventura decides to step away from wrestling, quite regularly becomes an announcer. Obviously some injuries would hamper him and, and slow him down. Adonis would then form a tag team with the dirty one himself, dirty Dick Murdoch. They were called themselves the North South connection. And the team ends up debuting some somewhere in 1983, really late 1983. They really gained a considerable amount of like respect and they really were doing um, great, great things in the WF. They would actually defeat Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson to win the WWF World Tag Team Championships, which was a big win at the time and really, really solidified Murdoch and Adonis as big stars in the WWF. They held the title until January 21st, 1985, and they were, of course, defeated by Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, the U.S. Express. The team would end up splitting up thereafter. The only thing here is that you start to notice that Adrian Adonis is starting to lose, you know, he was kind of muscular but stocky, and he was kind of well-conditioned. But here now, he's really in 84-85. He's really starting to put on a lot of weight. It didn't really hamper his work rate or his ability, but it really did kind of change who he was really as a wrestler and just really, really changed his look. You could really tell that it just was a different version of Adrian Adonis. So in late 85, he was briefly managed by Bobby the Green Heenan. He adapted the vicious DDT as his finisher. Adonis really kind of then, as I'm saying, he's kind of not only changing his body, but he's starting to change his gimmick. Really, first Jimmy Hart became his manager, and then he traded King Kong Bundy to Heenan in exchange for Adonis missing Link. I used to love this back in the day. It's like they were like GMs, trading wrestlers for, for different talent and stuff, and they really can make storylines out of it and do different things out of it. I really kind of... Um, like that back then it was good stuff so about the time the wrestling classic the great pay-per-view tournament was held adonis is in it he beats corporate kirshner then he ends up losing to a dynamite kid in the quarter finals if you remember junkyard dog surprisingly ends up winning the tournament and he defeats macho man in the tournament files finals so great pay-per-view good stuff hogan versus uh, roddy piper of course is on that show as well then in early 86, Adonis started carrying a briefcase with him, always had relaxed with Trudy on it, and he started having a fragrance. He used to spray it around. He really became uh, you know, an effeminate character. He really kind of dressed up like a woman and started wearing makeup and doing different things and really starting to get noticed and really starting to become a big-time heel and a big-time player. I know you know maybe nowadays might be frowned upon, but I mean that was really used as big-time heel heat and really got him over as a big heel when he started to do that character. He really um, kind of on Piper's pit and really had – that was kind of like the impetus, if you will. I mean, that really kind of set it off. On the episode of Piper's pit, he gives a signature leather jacket that he always wore, his New York jacket. He gave it away, the leather. He gave it away to Rowdy Piper, who wore it actually for years afterwards. Adonis then adopted the gimmick Adorable. Adrian Adonis, and of course, you remember he bleached his hair blonde. He started wearing pink attire. He always had scarves and leg warmers and dresses and hats and real clownish type uh, 
rouge makeup and, and eyeshadow. So, I mean, he really, really started to gain weight. They were saying he was somewhere around 350 pounds at this point, which is crazy. But that's how much he started to gain. He kind of ceased his uh, repertoire and his regimen of weightlifting. He stopped tanning. He shaved his body. He had no more body hair. He was kind of getting into this uh, pale, I guess you could say soft, rotund, flabby, that whatever you want to say he was starting to get a little bit big he kind of i don't know it's weird to say like he kept getting bigger and really different and obviously the, the gimmick worked and he was getting heel heat but it didn't take away from as athleticism or his agility in the ring he was still great at wrestlemania 2 i think everybody remembers he beat it uncle elmer in, in relatively quick fashion he really kind of then had a feud with junkyard dog and george the animal steel and then of course that's where we get into the big time feud with the immortal Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan ends up defeating Adrian Adonis 2-3-1986 at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. They would have a rematch the next month, 3-4-1986 at the Cow Palace. Hogan defeats Adrian Adonis again. Of course, these were all WWF World Heavyweight Championship matches. They were all main events, and they're mostly sellouts, just to kind of get that out of the way. Then they go to the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. Hogan defeats Adonis by can out there. They go to the Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri. Hogan wins by DQ. They go to the Met Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hogan wins by DQ there. They go to the LA Sports Arena in Los Angeles, California. Hogan would end up defeating Adonis there. They have a house show match at Brendan Byrne Arena, 622-1986 in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Adonis gets the big-time win and shocking win over Hogan via DQ. They have a match with the War Memorial in Rochester, New York. Hogan defeats Adonis by countout. They have a rematch at Meadowlands in East Rutherford. By the way, Brendan Byrne is Meadowlands. They just changed the name at one point, so it's the same arena, and it is a rematch one month later, 7-17-1986. Hogan defeats Adonis this time by a countout. They have a big match that I think a lot of people remember and a good match, 7-26-1986. WF World Title, Prison Network, Philly Spectrum, in Philly, PA, Hogan defeats Adonis in about nine minutes. They have a match in Joe Louis Arena, Detroit, Michigan. Hogan would defeat Adonis there. Then they have the final match, the trilogy, if you will, which they did this a lot back then. If you're going to have matches, they usually kept it in the same venue, maybe three months in a row like this is. June, July, August, 8-1-1986, they have the match in in. Uh, Joe Louis Arena, but then 8-4-86 is the Lumberjack match and the final of the trilogy matches at the house show for the third month in a row. So Adonis won the first one by counter. Hogan wins the second one by counter. So you got to have the third and final one. You need an ending to it. Hogan defeats Adrian Adonis in the Lumberjack match. So that was really cool to do. I used to love to kind of seeing that back in the day and really try to sell out the house. And each house you're hoping is bigger than the next or, you know, all good and, and, and all would be sellouts. And you're hoping that you, know, you generate this buzz of, wow, can Hogan defeat Adrian Adonis? He doesn't seem to be able to do it. Adonis wins. Hogan wins. I count That's not good enough. 11,000 people plus show up for this house show. Boom. Hogan defeats Adrian Adonis this time in a, a lumberjack match. So there would be no countdowns so the guys would throw them in the ring good stuff good booking i know it's just a house show feud but it's a house show feud for that market that did really well and was drew drew really well and they want to stick to it then on nested george animal steel and hulk hogan defeat adrian donis and macho man randy savage and obviously that's boston mass hogan and piper a very rare team defeated adonis and orndorff at the maple leaf gardens in toronto ontario seven excuse me 
9-7-1986. Then the final world title match between them, two, these two, as Hogan defeats Adrian Donis in Albany, New York on 9-15-86. And the final match that they're in together, 3-7-1987 on Nesson in Boston. It would be a elimination match. Billy Jack Haynes, Hulk Hogan, and Rowdy Roddy Piper defeat Adrian Adonis, Hercules, and Paul Orndorff in 18 minutes. I used to love those elimination matches. Cool stuff. Always got some random stuff and random pairings going on with them. So that's just some great stuff there. Really, as that feud kind of ends, and that's over, they did really well, especially here in New Jersey, especially here in the Northeast. In May of 86, during Piper's five-month hiatus from the WWF, Adonis would really debut his own talking segment, taking over for Piper's pick called The Flower Shop. These segments were primarily used as the backdrop for Paul Orndorff's slow-building heel turn, where he turned against his good friend, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Adonis, obviously, relentlessly would be needling Orndorff about living in Hogan's shadow and really kind of bringing that up. So in August, shortly before Piper's return, Adonis obtained the services of Piper's bodyguard, Cowboy Bob Orton, who took to wearing a pink cowboy hat. A feud with Piper and Adonis, of course, was was what they were building up to and what they were leading to. It really heated up. Orton and Don Morocco would attack Piper during a duel during um, the talk show segments. And it kind of would, would kind of lead to a leg injury and we're kind of going on from there. Really, they damaged the set of Piper's pit as well as Piper returns and brings back Piper's pit. Piper ended up destroying the set of the flower shop with a baseball bat. And it was never rebuilt. I think everybody remembers that. It's a very, very famous thing. WCW years later tried to copy it when Piper destroyed Russo's office and the powers that be. Uh, obviously not to as much success, but this was really great, really memorable, and really, really one of the things you never forget with that Piper, that damn baseball bat, destroying the flower shop and destroying, destroying it for good. On October 4th, Saturday night's main event, number seven, Piper struck Adonis with a crutch, resulting in a two-month absence from TV with an alleged separated shoulder. In reality... Um, Adonis had actually been fired at that point, but then he was quickly re retired, uh, rehired. Piper's has some house show matches in the meantime versus Don Morocco and versus Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. Uh, Adonis would return in November and he would attack Piper on Piper's pit. And the two finally would have a big lead up and a big feud, which would end up in a hair versus hair match at WrestleMania three. Piper wins the bout, and obviously with help from Brutus Barber Beefcake, they cut the majority of Adrian Adonis' hair off afterwards. Then, of course, Adonis would have a big feud with Beefcake, which would end in May in 1987. WWF would end up firing him in the end of May of 1987 for multiple dress code violations. Don't know what that means or don't know if that's actually true at all, but that's what they were saying as far as the reason for the exit of Adrian Adonis from the WWF. His real last match in the WWF, he loses to Brutus the Barber Beefcake at a house show in London, Ontario, Canada, 427-1987. It's quite a shame, too, because Adonis would end up passing away. He'd end up dying in 1988. July 4th, 1988 to be exact. He was only 34 years old. He died in Newfoundland, Canada after a really, really bad traffic accident. They had a collision and everyone in the car ended in the van really ended up dying except for William Arco. He was the sole survivor and he had a bunch of leg injuries. So, man, uh, pretty, pretty damn sad the way he went. He was only 34. Maybe 
he was going to get back in the WF because he was starting to get into good shape again. He was starting to exercise and really try to get himself back into shape to, so he can get back in to the WWF. And only 34, I mean, odds are that he was such a great worker he, and he got in better shape. He would have ended up back there, I think. He left, of course, behind his wife, Bea, his two daughter B, excuse me, his two daughters, Angela and Gina. They are... I believe still in Bakersfield, California. And of course, Adrian Donis was buried out in Bakersfield where he resided. So Adrian Donis, like I said, great career, former WWF tag team champion, great feud with the immortal Hulk Hogan, small one house show feud. Another one of those kind of bridge feuds, keep things going while he's feuding with Orndorf, while he's feuding with King Kong Bundy, while he's eventually going to be feuding with Andre the giant so great stuff here as always on the hogan arrow i thank everybody for tuning in see you right back here next week well actually for first plugs sorry about that uh, you can follow me on twitter and instagram at two-man power trip check out the website tmptempire.com of course patreon patreon.com slash tmptempire new stuff loaded each and every week over there thank you everybody for tuning in we'll see you right back here next week for the hogan era podcast we'll see you next week folks this has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother. You got it. And here. Watch the right side of the ring. You're free, man. Where is he? Here he comes. Here he comes. There he is. Tell you, man, this is a happening. You think you isn't, isn't the adorable one lovely? Well, at least. And now the the pink hair, if you will. We didn't see that last time. But this, nevertheless, laugh if you want. This is a grudge event. This is the last time we saw him. He had a dress on. Yeah, <laughs> and a hat. Sitting sitting at ringside and bailed out Bundy. Well, there's what it's all about. That championship belt. Handed out to the attendant, and now the hookster, he's ready. Title definitely on the line here in the spectrum. Golden opportunity for adorable one, Adrian Adonis and his manager in the mouth of the south to get their hands on the gold. Well, easier said than done. Hookster pointing at someone at ringside yeah. saying, keep an eye, I want you to keep an eye on the mouth. 
Well, Adrian's still wearing uh, some multicolored ribbons, if you will, around the uh, neckerchief, around the neck. I guess they got to come off. I guess he's forsaken all those nice color bows. Maybe yeah, he, had, he left oh. had those left over. Oh, oh look at that. He's look left. out. Oh, look at this big deal. And the holster not wasting any time exploding on the adorable one and using those things to his disadvantage now. Oh, Adrian is in bad trouble. Irish whip in, watch out, clothesline, yes. Well, the Hawkster's on a tear. He's in control. Oh. Referee Joe Morello was laying the count on the champion, and the champion turned around and gave him the ribbon. <laughs> the mouth of South, of course, is prowling around the outside of the ring. Still holding on to that vaporizer, if you will, that spray bottle. Bella's gone. We've been underway here now for several minutes. Oh, oh walked right into that big left hand the champion did. Oh, look at that. A shot from the outside by the mouth of the South. Whoever was had threw in the eyes of the Hulkster. Hulkster's blinded right now, can't see what's going on at the mercy of the adorable one. Oh. Wow. Well, anything to win, huh? Adonis given quite an edge here by his manager. The referee did not see that. And he's in trouble right now, and so is the title. Well. As the case of Hulk Hogan or Andre the Giant, any very super large man, when they're down flat, they're extremely vulnerable. And Adrian Adonis very much in the driver's seat right now, going up to the second rope for leverage. Oh, nobody home! It wouldn't be the first time in Philadelphia that the world's title changed hands, Dick. That's true. Could happen. Adonis driving the elbow, an elbow drop, and nobody home again. Big right hand by the champion, and another one. Driving the adorable one back. Look out. Oh, right over the top rope, upside down and out. Luckily for him, right on his feet. Adrian is very upset. He's in a snit, if you will. He's upset with himself. Look at the champ. Wants him back in the ring any way, shape, or form. And the mouth is trying it. to hold him out. Is he trying to push it? No. Look at his mouth. Both in. Jimmy's being dragged in as well. And the oh, look at the champ's got both oh. in. Look at the mouth of the south. Oh, my God, there he goes. Well, he likes being around the ring. Now he's in it. <laughs> Adrian Adonis. Uh -oh. Champion having a good time here at the expense of the mouth of the south. <laughs> Champ saying, who wants him? <laughs> Atomic drop, and over the top rope goes the mouth. He's had it. He's oh, look out. Megaphone right in the back of the neck of the champion. Adonis got loose. Over for One, the cover. Oh. No foot on the rope. A leg on the bottom rope. Adonis thinks he's won the title. He hasn't. Referee explaining now the that the hunter had that left leg wrapped on over that bottom rope. And this match is still up for grabs. All right, the leg over the bottom rope, and Adrian Adonis on a tear now. He's coming at the Hulkster, who's down flat. What happened to the mouth of the south, Dick? Is he gone? Is he uh, outside? He's, he's trying to, nobody's paying attention to him, but he's grabbed his horn. 
Hulkster's outside the ring again. Oh, I see. He looks like Kilroy there now, sneaking over he's, the top of the apron. I can't tell. What do you? He still has that horn in his hand. He's favoring his back, but nobody really cares about that. Adrian going outside the ring on the apron. The Hulkster just showing his head now. Champion's still out of sight. Well, here we go. Gone to the floor here. Gone to the arena floor here in the Spectrum. Concrete out there. I will get a camera out there and see what's... Steel right. chair now being rammed, uh, we can't tell, probably into the neck or facial area of the champion. Jimmy Hart having some part of this action. There's a good shot as we see the champ on the concrete, but coming up. Well, Adrian uh, exulting and the fans responding. But the Hulk, the Hulk is coming back. What determination on this individual, the world's heavyweight champion, run for cover. Hulk Hogan down in the ring apron. He kicked that by Adrian Adonis, the adorable one. Young Joe Morello, the referee, warning Adonis. Off in the south right over with that megaphone taunting the champion. Got to learn how to shut all that out. But look at the Hulk desperately well, attempting to get back in there. He's in there now. Well, what do we got? A suplex? Looks like coming up. Oh, oh beauty. I can't believe Adrian Adonis pulled that off. He said, oh, one, he more. said one more. One more. Oh, champ in trouble here. The title in jeopardy here in the spectrum. Ball to the South predicting a new world champion. The champ's got that arm in there, no way. Adonis, really frustrated. He can smell the victory. Going for another suplex. Oh, got the champ up and over again. Tremendous feat of strength here by the challenger. Got a two. Whoa, was that close? He rolled, he rolled a shoulder. The mouth complaining about the count of the referee, but it was right there and his shoulder was right up there. Look at the look on the face of the champion. He is stunned, two suplexes in a row. Sleeper hole now by Adonis, right in the center of the ring. Young Jumbrell, the referee, asking the champ, how are you, what's happening, what's happening here? Checking those arms out. Adonis maintaining the pressure. Champ is fading down to his knees. I'll tell you, the fans are really worried. They are on their feet. Jimmy the mouth for the south, pounding on the ring apron, yelling into that megaphone. Boy, don't count this guy out by a long shot. You can't. This guy's got more determination than anyone I know in the world of professional sports. And look at that, the mouth exuding his man on with that megaphone. And Adrian, oh, look at the champ's got that right arm up there. He's going to fight this thing. Can he come back? Well, let's see. The Hulk's been in this situation before. Up. 
Adonis throws him back. Adonis with a look at the stain on his face saying, I'm going to be the new champion. I'm destroying this guy. Going up to the top turnbuckle now, the adorable one. Look out. Oh! oh! Champion brought those knees Not up right the at the last minute. Hulkster realizing that he survived this onslaught by Adonis. But has he got anything left? Well, I don't know. We'll find out. That belt is stake. That championship is on the line. Reverse knife edge by the challenger, but look at the look on the face of the champion. He's hulking up. That adrenaline is flowing. He's going to explode. Look at the look on Adonis's face as well. He's in shock. Adonis says, wait a minute, can't we be friends? Too late. Too late, man. Champ unloading with some big right hands. Adrian, the head, oh, he ran into right that, into the post. Right into the post. With that shoulder. Wind up here, Irish whipping. Oh, there's a big boot planted. Look it out. Ball to the south, up on the turnbuckle. Oh, the champ saw Look at this. Oh, he used them just like a, a spear. Leg drop. the leg. Over for the cover. It's over. the belt if you want it. There it is. The belt, and here I am. Adrian says, I want that belt, and I'm off of the south saying, no, you had enough for one evening. The adorable one thinks better about it, Dick. Well, the guy in bad shape is Mel Phillips. He's stunned, but the Hawkster has prevailed. They're looking at the premier athlete in all of professional sports today, the world's heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan. What a tremendous title defense. You know, Girl about soon, Hulk Hogan could be in an arena such as the Spectrum all by himself with one other wrestler and draw a sellout. Unbelievable. There's his theme song, I Am a Real American. Now look at the mouth of the south here, climbs right up on the top turnbuckle, but the peripheral vision of the champion catches him out of the corner of his eye and right down, using him just like a javelin, spears him right into the adorable one. And now over for the cover, Morella right there to make the count, and the champ on to victory. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, man, 